0: Welcome to Vermont Untapped, a podcast from the Vermont Folklife Center that explores the state through the voices of its own residents. I'm Mary Wesley. It's been a little while since we put something out through this feed. I'm glad to be here with you. Our summer has been consumed with continuing to adjust to life and work during a pandemic. The VFC bases almost all of our activities in ethnographic field work. The hallmark of this approach to learning about culture and community is to spend a lot of time with people, on site, in the field. Whether the field is a dance hall, a blacksmith shop, someone's home, or a literal field full of vegetables, when we're there we like to observe closely. Maybe even try a dance or pull up some weeds while chatting with the Vermonters who occupy these spaces every day. Whenever possible, We record interviews on site, sitting down across from someone to listen to them and learn from their experiences. So, like everyone, we have needed to completely reimagine the ways in which we do what we do. We're asking ourselves, can we be in the field on Zoom? Can we connect with and interview someone over the phone? How can we get a high-quality recording when we can't be in person with whoever we're talking to? And of course, we're wondering, how are other Vermonters experiencing and reimagining their work, their home life, their schools and communities? I'll tell you right now, this is an ongoing process. We're still finding answers to these questions. And like you, I'm sure, still adjusting and readjusting to our current reality. But we have started to find ways to continue our work. And as we go into the fall, I'm excited to share some of what we've been up to. In the upcoming episodes, we'll take you into six different Vermont communities where we spent some time listening to what people are going through and what they're thinking about. This work is part of our Listening in Place initiative, a project designed in response to COVID-19 and now an ongoing effort to maintain and cultivate community, listen to others, and document our extraordinary daily lives together during the pandemic and beyond. We're starting this series close to home in Middlebury, Vermont, where the VFC offices and galleries stand quiet and empty since March. Just across town, a beautiful yellow building that houses Project Independence, an adult daycare facility serving Addison County, has also been quiet. Pre-COVID, this center offered a daytime home away from home for elderly adults whose independence has lessened due to chronic illness, disability, or very advanced age. On March 12th, they had to close their doors to participants. But it wasn't long before the Project Independence community was able to reconnect. They just had to do it virtually. Activities Director Ken Schoen speaks about the transition.
1: And then we had a couple staff meetings with... um staff to just kind of talk about what are we gonna do now? And it was like everybody was kind of deer in headlights. It's like, oh my God, we're, we're shut down. We don't know how, for how long. And at that point we're thinking, that's eh, gonna be a month or two and we'll be back in business. But um, it became pretty clear within a week or two that um, it was gonna go longer. And, and then it was like, yikes, now we have our, you know, just about 90 employees that we have to figure out how to pay them while we also have to figure out how do we serve um, our elderly population now um, because this is pretty challenging and yikes I'm like you know what I think I think we can do stuff online we can maybe use do face FaceTime live or other things and at that point I hadn't really even heard of Zoom but um you know, I'm talking to a few staff and going, okay, there's probably ways we can engage on screen. The challenge is elderly folks, usually that's not in their skill set to use computers. So how do we um, how do we navigate that?
0: One of the people helping to navigate this challenge is Project Independent staff member Geeta Wunava.
2: So Project is historically... Um... Has been very focused on you know like connection and people and um, not devices and technology and um, we very much are um, an analog agency right um, in a lot of ways and we've had this whole process of um, I mean it started in March where we were trying to figure out like what device you know would work for someone that's 90 and has you know neuropathy in their hands and um, can't see properly and has really hard of hearing and um, maybe doesn't have someone um, at home with them to help them navigate you know their email and finding that link. And it suddenly, like my role was like part social worker, part occupational therapist and part engineer. And so what we've come to is we finally wound up going with a touchscreen Chromebook um with and then manage to put sort of a shortcut on it where it's it's essentially a one-click deal for them yeah it's just it's for me the one of the biggest takeaways is um just that technology can be used for so much good I think you know my generation you know gets really bad for you know how you know we're just always on our phones and we're always you know our, our our connection skills we're not known for our you know people skills or whatever so um It's been really neat to see technology be used to foster connection.
0: I talked to Geetha and Ken in early August. I wanted to hear their behind-the-scenes perspective on running virtual programming for their distanced community of senior citizens. As part of our Listening in Place work, the VFC has been conducting interviews over Zoom with many of those tech-savvy seniors. Between May 12th and August 5th, we signed in and said hello to 20 different people. Um. All right, well, good morning. Um, good morning. It is, I have to look at my calendar. Hard to keep track of the days. It's May 12th, Wednesday, May 13th. It is Tuesday, June 9th, 2020. So, my name's Maeve McCurdy, and I'm doing this for the Vermont Folklife Center. So, it is Tuesday, July 14th, 2020, and this is Mary Wesley for the Vermont Folklife Center and our Listening in Place project. So, if you just want to start off and just introduce yourself. Our main questions were How has it been going? What's been different for you? What's been surprising? The goal of listening in place is to make a record of what Vermonters are experiencing through the pandemic. But even more, the goal is to maintain our connections to one another. We hope that by offering a chance to listen and be listened to, relationships can be strengthened, and the distance that we're all experiencing right now can maybe be lessened just a bit. It was an honor to speak with these 20 individuals and to work side-by-side with Project Independence staff who helped schedule and coordinate the interviews. I also want to give a giant thank you to Maeve McCurdy, our summer intern now starting her senior year at Smith College. Maeve supported this project as an interviewer, transcriber, audio producer, and all-around fantastic human, and I miss working with her. You'll hear her voice in some of the interviews. For the rest of this episode, I invite you to listen to some excerpts from our conversations with the Project Independence community. We couldn't include everyone in this short episode, so please take time to head over to our show notes at www.vtfolklife.org untapped, where you'll find a longer playlist of excerpts, as well as some artwork and poetry from a few of the people we spoke with.
3: You know, I used to go into project Monday through Friday, and uh, and now can't do that. So it's a lot different now. I never thought when it's when we got uh, when we quit in the first part of March. You know, I never figured it would last this long.
0: And how long have you been in Cornwall?
3: 91 years. (laughs) All my life. Has it changed at all? Yes, it has. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) You know, it changed a lot in the last 10 10 years, you know. This used to be a, a farming community. There was at one time there was about 38 farms here in Cornwall, and now there's two. So it's a lot different now. It's going to be different when it when this opens up too. I I just can't imagine what it is going to be like when it, when this is over. You know is it going to be over, you know? But, uh, I I don't know. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like. My wife is in a nursing home out to Middlebury, and uh, I go out there once a week, you know, and and, uh, see her. They have to bring her out in the uh, in the garden there, you know, and we have to stay, you know, six foot apart and and stay there about a half hour, and then they, yeah. So that shut down too, you know. Nobody can go in the nursing homes or anything now. Yeah, so. it's a lot different.
4: It really got serious when I, I couldn't go to project, and I really loved going there. And then I couldn't go to church. It's just like things being taken away almost, you know. Then the grocery store, I didn't go to the grocery store for a long time. Now I do. I never been so alone in all my life, you know? I live alone and they wouldn't let me see Joey. The only one I saw was my daughter, Mary. She come down once a week for a couple of hours. But boy, the days can be long. <laughs> So I've been organizing my house and I had a complete knee replacement. So, and staying home has been good for that. (laughs) And I believe in following the rules, wear a mask, you know, no gatherings to follow those rules and be safe. Number one is to be safe. And still enjoy life as best you can, that's for sure. And once I got out, it was nicer. But I, I stayed right home for a long
5: time. It changed a whole lot in my life. It um it changed every every like social activity that I have. It changed um changed how I do things. Um My social life, you know, you can't just go over to people's houses right now. And Restaurants were shut down, of course, for quite a while, except for takeout. And I've never seen Middlebury College shut down the way they did in this spring. Um, Couldn't go walk on the indoor track at the field house, which is what I used to love to do. And couldn't do that. And I never even heard the word Zoom until probably March, maybe. I mean, I never even touched a computer till I was 35 years old. And I'm 70 now. So fortunately, Project has done so much in helping all of us um, learn about Zoom and learn how to access it. And they have a, a team of people that are excellent at sort of coaching us over the phone how to do it. So um, I, I think Zoom has just been... Terrific, you know, for for all of us. But I've never lived through anything like this. And um I I remember the tail end of the polio epidemic as a kid. And I remember um the vaccine for polio became available. So of course kids were all taken to the pediatrician to get a, a so-called shot, and none of us liked shots, so we, we weren't happy about it. Um, but of course, in retrospect, we were so fortunate. You know, kids my age and, and um, younger, we were so fortunate to have that vaccine. We didn't know that at that age, but, but we were.
6: It wasn't so much a transition because I was already alone in the house most of the time. I mean, I had company and I had a routine going to coffee with the ladies and stuff like that. And right now I'm really happy to be here because I have a home and I can do things for myself more or less. Nancy is around and my daughter-in-law lives next door to me too so that's a big help for me to know that those two women are are around to help me when I need it
0: what's been the biggest change or what feels the most different to you in this
6: not getting my hair done every week and going shopping in the grocery store (laughs) every Friday of routine. My daughter would take me to the hairdressers at 9.30, and then I would go grocery shopping, and that was the best thing because I saw a lot of people in the store, of course, that I knew. So I am thinking that this is sort of a lesson for us to slow down and be more... Loving to others in your home, especially because you have to live together get without going. Any. Well, yes, you can go out for rides or to get a creamy. I, they took me out on on Mother's Day for a creamy. And that was a big, that was really my favorite present because I love to have a creamy on Sunday. And uh, so, you know, little things like that. Uh, loving gestures towards towards your fellow man, whether it's your family or someone that is your acquaintance or. I sort of have a faith that God is taking care of me. That's been my life my lifetime thought. That is my goal is to know that that I'm taking care of that when I go to sleep at night I know. Everything is going to be all right when
7: I wake up. I told Ken yesterday when he called with the idea, and I said, it really hasn't affected me other than not being able to go to project. But while I was on the phone with Ken, the wheels were still turning. And I said, you idiot. (laughs) This has affected me, you know, and my family. You know, we're a very huggy family. And, uh, It just, you know, we don't get together. We don't do road trips. You know, we just, there's no hugging, no kissing. You know, of course it's affected me. And to have a doctor's appointment out in the parking lot. (laughs) I mean, that was different for me.
0: (laughs) What do you think stands out for you right now? What are we learning?
7: Not taking my friends for granted. I'm really, really anxious to meet, see them all again. We just get used to it every day, and then when they're not there, you know, can't help but miss them. So yeah, I go up in the lobby and in the mornings wait for the mail, and usually we have a little gab fest, six feet apart, you know. So that's a, my big exciting mornings. One of the good things that about this is that the restaurants are starting to open up again, and we usually do sibling night. And I have two brothers and two sisters, and so at least once a month or every three months we'll get together. So we just did this oh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was so nice seeing everybody because I hadn't seen them for at least three months. And we went to Mister Up's, and we were down on the porch, and they had quite the business that night, even though we were all six feet apart and you know the tables. It was very, very nice.
8: I will do what needs to be done with that with the coronavirus. I mean, I will wear a mask. I will do all the things that they ask us to do because I respect other people but i don't believe that there's anything to be it's so upset about worried about i i've seen too many things that have happened in my lifetime that people have survived and be be aware yeah be aware and use good judgment but don't get into fear it doesn't do any good doesn't help anything anything else let's see yeah well how has your life has your life changed in a lot of other ways since you know really having to stay home oh no not at all not at all. I. It, this may sound conceited, but it isn't. It's I've worked on myself over the years, and I like myself. I like my own company. Yeah. So yeah, and it's like, what's the difference? No, no different than it was before. You know, I do what I want to do. <laughs> not everybody's going to understand what this next thing that I'm doing is, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> um, I'm planning my own funeral and, um, I was going to do it before I died. I, 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 I have it all. I, I, I haven't completed it yet, but I have pretty much what I want. Um, the music that I want the people that I would like to have um, do my eulogies eulogies um, I have a granddaughter who is a minister so I want her to perform the services and, um, as I said I was I really was thinking of making a party of it doing it while I was alive so I could see what people thought of me you know doesn't that make sense to you yeah yeah you hear good things about yourself yeah and um anyway I'm working on that
9: When I start seeing signs all over our building, you know, warning about masks and the gloves, and I go, uh-oh, something's going on. And so I was heading out the door to go to the store, and I went over to Shaw's, and we had a waiting line, and uh, I said, oh, what's going? what's going on? <laughs> Uh, and because I heard that China and Japan were infected with this, and I didn't know it came so quick to United States and Vermont. And I says, hmm, okay, well, I guess you got to be careful. We have three floors, so I can walk indoors, keep, keep moving, and listen to the tape that my aunt, Made with my my niece did a presentation like we're doing today. Uh, about how life was in the Depression and what they had to do. So I said, "Well, you know, that's similar to what's happening here, but this is a virus and life goes on and we've got to keep going." That's what my aunt always said life goes on keep going <laughs> and think positive things let heart. the news get you down <laughs> and when you're feeling down put on some happy music and uh will make you feel better move around a little bit or something <laughs> but life is good you know Um, it's different. In reality, it's a whole different world out there. So we're hoping we can all be together
0: soon. You've been listening to the voices of Arlen Foote, Penny Battison, Nancy White, Sylvia Coffin, Diane Whitney, Jean Bateson, and Roger Rice. Again, a huge thank you to these people and everyone that we interviewed. I'm especially grateful to Ken and Geetha, who you heard earlier in the show, and the many Project Independence staff members and volunteers who worked in partnership with me and Maeve to make this listening-in-place project a reality. I know a lot of us probably have Zoom fatigue. The struggle is real. Whether it's for work or play, So much of our social interaction has been moved into a virtual, seemingly disconnected space. But I have to tell you, signing in to do these interviews a couple of times a week over the summer was hugely rewarding and restorative for me. Making time to sit down, ask someone about what they're experiencing at this time, and then listen really listen to them, even through a computer screen is different. Different than a meeting. Different than a webinar. This is what listening in place is all about. The belief that a pathway through anxiety, fear, and uncertainty lies in the act of listening as much as it does in the act of telling one's story. Both are important, and both are accessible to you. If you'd like to learn more about doing your own interviews in your family, household, or community, or if you're part of a group or organization like Project Independence and would like to partner with VFC to engage in this kind of work, head to our website at www.vtfolklife.org to learn more. From all of us here at the VFC, we hope you and your families are keeping as well as can be. We'll be sharing more stories from our Listening in Place project, through this podcast, and also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow us at Vermont Folklife. If you liked listening to this show, please tell others to look us up and subscribe. You can find Vermont Untapped on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Vermont Untapped is produced by me, Mary Wesley. Maeve McCurdy and Abra Clausen were assistant producers on this episode. Our executive producer, who also happens to be the VFC archivist, is Andy Kolobos. Music in this show was recorded by Dave Hoy. Thanks for listening.
5: And you're, you're gone again. <laughs> uh, Anya?
2: Are you there? Oh, now I can hear you.
5: I can hear me again. You know... <laughs> as disruptive as it is i think it's really like it shows what we're working with here okay <laughs> you know this we're all kind of this is what we're this is this is sort of a day in the life of uh, uh, yeah it's it's the new normal <laughs> exactly all right <laughs>
6: okay